The following is a production of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. For more information about the seminary, how you can support it, or applying to become a student, please visit www.gpts.edu. Hello and welcome to another edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. My name is Zach Groff and I'm your host for today's broadcast. I have the privilege of welcoming to the studio uh, Mr. Jeff Gleason. He's the pastor of Cliffwood Presbyterian Church in Augusta, Georgia, and he's going to join me over the phone to speak about a recent publication of his, A Family Worship Guide to Luke. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Zach. Absolutely. Jeff is eminently qualified to produce a book on family worship because he has a family of 13 under his care, himself, his wife, and their 11 children. And so uh, I can only imagine what family worship looks like with a a family of that size. Um, I think, you know, sometimes it's difficult to handle the three little ones the Lord has placed under my care up to this point. So I'm really excited for this interview uh, to talk about the general aspects of family worship, some of the specific mechanics, but also this specific book, this family worship guide to Luke. Uh, Jeff, can you uh, can you introduce our listeners to family worship from the fifty thousand foot uh, high up level? I know most of our folks are going to be familiar with family worship if they're not already practicing it, but there might be some new listeners that just need a, a basic introduction to family worship and its importance. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm glad to do that. Uh, well, when you think about family worship and uh, different things that you can call it, of course, family worship or, or devotions or, or uh, family or quiet time or whatever, whatever label you want to want to slap on it, it's significant in terms of uh, the life and, and health of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, not only because um, the family and church have to work together to prepare the next generation, uh, but uh, of Christians, but also because when it comes to the worship of the church, you can't have uh, one without the other. Really, the, the the two work hand in hand, and and I think that was something that was recognized in centuries gone by, also. But it seems to have lost, uh, been lost on the church in in recent years for a variety of reasons. I think, but uh, one of the things that struck me as I was think beginning to think through family worship many years ago. Uh, I was reading uh, the Reformed Pastor by uh, by Baxter, Richard Baxter, the Puritan, and and he has a quote in his book that uh, really struck home to me. Where he said, uh, "You're not like to see any general reformation till you procure family reformation. Some little religion there may be here and there, but while it is confined to single persons and is not promoted in families, it will not prosper nor promise much future increase." And so uh, that became something that really. Uh, became a focal point for me personally, and, and then as I became a pastor later in life, then it became something that, uh, that I felt was important to impress on the church, that you can't use church as the only place where you're going to be educated and built up and strengthened spiritually. Certainly, the church is very significant in the life of the believer, but if all you're setting before your family is you know Sunday morning worship and Sunday school and, and maybe Wednesday night, then really you're you're presenting a partial picture of what life in Christ looks like. And so family worship is that completing piece of that complementary piece, if you want to call it that, where where um, church and family work together to reinforce um, the scriptures 
understanding, of course, that this is under the direction and counsel of the Holy Spirit and through His Word. So, so uh, family worship is a significant uh, part of the Christian walk for for those of us who have been blessed with children, and to think through the uh, how to apply that significant part of our Christian walk uh, that really has been a burden on my heart um, for, for you know since the time that I've I've been married and had and had kids, which my oldest is 24. So since then, I've been struggling and, and working through what does it mean to practice family worship in, in, in the Christian context. There's a, There are a few things that you said that I want to unpack a little bit. You know, one of them that you just said you've been struggling and working through, I think that might be an encouragement to those of us who who just feel like we're struggling and <laughs> not working yeah. at all when it comes to family yeah. worship. So we'll touch on that in a little bit. But but first, I want to I wanna back up. And, and considering that you are a pastor and a father, and you know as a father the importance of family worship, family devotions, time together in the Word as a family around the dinner table or in the living room or whatever— how do you seek to impress that theologically and, and, and also practically, if I'm going to make that distinction? How do you seek to impress that as a pastor on the people of your congregation? Well, I think you do it in, in two ways. One way, you try to alleviate the obstacles uh, that people might have when it comes to family worship. Um, so in my own experience uh, as, a, as a Christian father, and then also looking around and in life as a pastor, one of the reasons why I at times struggled in, in family worship uh, is because I wasn't wasn't really sure what I was supposed to do. Like I knew there was this general nagging feeling that I was supposed to be doing family worship, uh, but was I going to be able to be profound enough to hold my kids' attention, and, and what was I going to be able to answer the questions and, and those kinds of things? So. One of the things you can do as a pastor is eliminate kind of the obstacles. And, and one of the things that I've done in my life as a minister, which is not original to me, uh, but uh, what I try to do is I, I try to create many lessons, which I put in the bulletin based on the sermon, the two sermons that I preach each, each Lord's Day. And so that creates kind of a base whereby people can say, okay, well, maybe I don't know everything that I need to know about family worship, but here's a starting point. So, so you try to take away obstacles. There are other resources that you can present to people, and, and the, the book that you introduced uh, before, is, of course, is one of the efforts to do that. But then the other side is to impress on them the significance of what it means uh, to live, and how do you model and disciple your children in that process. And so being a Presbyterian, uh, I, uh, I've uh, taken vows to uphold the Westminster Confessions, the Shorter Larger Catechism. And I think the first question and answer of the Shorter Catechism is very telling and should be very instructive for us uh, as Christian people. You know, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. You know, so the, the, the other aspect beyond removing obstacles is to impress on the folks that God's placed in your care the significance and importance of glorifying God in all of life. And if you're called to glorify God in all of life, uh, two hours on the Lord's Day and maybe an hour on Wednesday night simply isn't going to be enough to model that to your children and to uh, to 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 experience that for yourself. It's it's You're going to compartmentalize your Christian faith into one of the things that you do instead of setting before your children or reminding yourself this is the central thing that I do. This is what everything else in my life is based around. And so 
uh, I think you teach your people that, right? You, you said it before them uh, regularly, the significance of what it means to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. So I think that's the more important piece because uh, you can give people all sorts of ideas, but if they don't understand the urgency of what you're talking to them about or the urgency of the subject that you would like them to engage in, then, then it's going to be uh, secondary in their minds. They'll, they'll find something else to... That, that they think more significant in the moment to occupy their time. So, so I would say remove the obstacles and 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 teach them teach them the significance of of what it means to glorify God and, and how do, how do you learn to do that if not by the study of His Word. So we're removing the obstacles, and as pastors, um, we're making it easier for them, providing even synopses of our sermons to our congregants so that the fathers can take those and build on them for family worship throughout the week. We're also giving them a positive vision of family worship, and then you're also just, you know, obviously modeling what it means to worship the triune God uh, before your people in corporate worship, and then in pastoral visitation as well. You're, you, you might be assisting families that don't have any idea what to do with family worship, and and showing them how to how to go through it. Um, now. That modeling is a function not just of the pastor, but also of the father to his children. And so when a father does instruct his children in the Word, we can ask, what does that communicate? And conversely, when a father chooses to do something else in family time, be it watch TV or, or you know, any other host of leisurely activities, he's communicating you know, something else to his children. What do we communicate to our children by either choosing... Uh, to lead them in family worship or choosing not to lead them in family worship? Well, I think that's a, that's a great question. And I think you can even take it beyond, uh, you know, a father leading his children in family worship. I think you can expand it to worship in general. And if you look at a place like Exodus 12, where God is uh, instituting a Passover feast, uh, one of the reasons why it's instituted is so that fathers can teach their children about what he had done in the past. And so in Exodus 12, 26, there's the, the word of Moses to the Israelites, the word of God to the Israelites, really, where, you know, the, the, the whole setup is, you know, what happens when your children say to you, what do you, what, what do you mean by the service? What do you mean by this Passover feast? And then that gives fathers an opportunity to explain the significance of the Lord in their lives. So you take that uh, to uh, apply to corporate worship in a sense. There's remembrance, the remembering of the Sabbath day and, and the corporate worship of the Lord. But there has to be something beyond that as well, as, as you were saying, this whole idea of family worship in the home. And as you rightly pointed out, your choices always instruct, right? So if it's uh, a, a choice of neglect, if that's what you choose to set before your kids, then it will it will establish a value in the life of your children, in the minds of your children. So if if dad comes home, or you know, assuming that your family worship is is set up for you to do it in the evening, it could be done anytime, of course. But dad comes home, long day of work, he's tired, and he says, you know what, I I, I don't have time. I'm too emotionally tired to do this. I'm, I, I would prefer to sit on the couch and watch the Winter Olympics or, or whatever the case is, whatever, whatever you like to watch on, on TV. And to the children, that, is, that establishes a value. That means that, uh, you know, my time for the Lord is dependent on how I feel about it, is dependent on 
if I have enough energy for it. So I'll give all my energy to other things, and then whatever's left over, I give to the Lord. And of course, uh, I don't think many dads who are doing that are would be intentionally trying to teach that to their children. Uh, but that's what I think uh, leadership is in the home. It's 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 establishing values for your children uh, uh, through words, yes, but also through through actions. Your actions. Uh, give credence to your words or they negate your words. You can say it's important to read your Bible all you want, but if your children don't see you doing it and they don't see you leading them in doing it, then uh, in their own minds they'll they'll reassess what you've said, and and rightly so, I think, and and say, well, uh, Dad says this is central, but really it's a it's a fringe it's a fringe uh, fringe benefit or a fringe activity and. And so I think you're exactly right in terms of conducting family worship or failure to conduct family worship. Both of them will, will communicate and, and teach, your, teach your children something. What I really greatly appreciate about family worship and how you've laid it out for us is that you've given us a picture of what I call Calvin's view of the Sabbath. Now, hold on. I'm not talking about it in the way that many candidates for ministry might uh, might refer to Calvin's view of the Sabbath to try to get out of Sabbatarian convictions as expressed in Westminster standards. But Calvin's view of the Sabbath was to take the activities of the Sabbath day to take the activities of the Lord's day, the reading of the word, prayer, uh, expounding upon the word, singing psalms of praise, and to bring those activities into the rest of the week. And how important is it to adopt what I call Calvin's view of the Sabbath, to bring the activities of the Sabbath day into the rest of the week? Because the time that we have on Sundays is so limited. Can you open up for us how important it is to have that daily pattern and, and why that's important to fill our days and our lives with this uh, returning glory and praise back to God as a family? Sure, and, and I, I have to confess, I was I was a little worried when you started out with uh, Calvin's... <laughs> Because <laughs> I've heard that myself in in uh, in uh, presbytery meetings, but a million uh, times. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, I, I'm glad to answer the question as it as it was asked because it's a very good question. Uh, once I understood where you're going with it, but uh, I think uh, I think it it is significant to bring what happens on the Lord's Day in corporate worship into your home, because in the sense uh, what we're doing in our homes is preparing our children to be worshipers, adult worshipers in the church. And so uh, in, in the book that in the family worship guide, there is scripture reading and there's prayer and there's singing as part of family worship. I know it's for some families it's a little awkward, but uh, the reason there's singing and, and prayer is so that as a family, you can be praying together, but you can also be singing the songs of the church together. You can be teaching your children to participate in worship and singing, which is probably the easiest part for little ones to participate in the corporate worship of the church. But then you also have the whole idea of uh, incorporating the Word of God, and, and if you can do it uh, simultaneously with, with what the pastor is doing in the pulpit, that, that's, a, that's a benefit for sure. But incorporating the Word of God as seen in the church, also in the life of the family. And what you're trying to do really is remind your children daily, not just on the Lord's Day, in the life of the church. Certainly there has to be a connection, there has to be a tie-in. But you're reminding your children that every day uh, there is a need to set God at the center of it. And we do that because if you think about what how God has given us time, and 
our our time is divided into weeks, and so our weeks have uh, 168 hours, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, so 168 hours. If you have a full week of church activities, if if you're engaged in kind of everything that uh, uh, most conservative, uh, serious-minded biblical churches will do, they'll have a Sunday school, they'll have morning and evening worship, and they'll maybe have a Wednesday night service. Assuming that each of those is an hour long, you're you're engaged in in worship four hours a week at most. Well, you divide that into the 168 hours that God gives you in a week, and you're not even you're not even filling up three uh, percent of your time in the worship of the Lord. And and uh, the Lord has given us callings. We have vocations. We have uh, children to attend to as moms and as, as fathers. We have many other responsibilities in church and home and and at work. Um, but we do have the opportunity in family worship to remind our children this is important this is central this is uh, what we do we do it at church and then we do it at the home in the home as well and, and so by tying them together you, you are able to show them not only the connection between a home and church but you're also able to remind them of the significance of worship not only in church but also outside the walls of the church and, and in the in the walls of your home so I think that's an important connection to make and just as we base our worship and regulate our worship by the Word of God, at least in, in confessional Presbyterian contexts, so too uh, we lean on the sufficiency of Scripture in our family worship. Can you tell us what, how we do that, how we actively lean on the sufficiency of Scripture in our family worship as you've, as you've laid it out? Yeah, and well, and I think it, it's a... It's a it's a natural progression, at least in the Westminster Shorter Catechism. You start by recognizing you have to make God the center of your life by glorifying Him and enjoying Him forever. And then the next question to answer, the second question to answer, deals with how you know how you're supposed to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. And that, of course, is in God's Word. There are several passages that, that would apply to family worship when you're thinking about how do you glorify God, and how do you use Scripture to do that? You can look in the Old Testament, uh, Deuteronomy 6, uh, 6 and 7, where it says, these words that I command you, God's talking about His law there, these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. A very very organic picture of of teaching your children what God's Word says so that uh, you, they can honor him, and that they can learn what it means to glorify him in in their actions, and in their thoughts, and, and in their words as well. And then in a New Testament uh, context, you can look at a place like Ephesians six, where you know you have that, all the family relationships are, are laid out for us, and and uh, they're taught to us. And it says there that fathers aren't to provoke their children to anger, but they're to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so uh, how do you do that? Well, that's found in God's Word. So God's Word's central in the church. The preaching ministry of the church should be the most significant ministry of the church. And then also in the home, the, the, the Word should be central. It should be a central part of what we do in family worship. We should be not only reminding our children with our words, hey, you need to be reading your Bible on, on your own, but also setting it before them as a normal pattern and practice in our homes that we will open God's Word together. It doesn't matter if it's a busy day or if it's a quiet day. We will open God's Word together because this is where we learn what it means to glorify God. And if we're going to have a busy day, we still need to know how to glorify God in that busy day. 
and you're not going to figure that out apart from apart from God's word. You know, uh, there's the classic passages of the sufficiency of Scripture to inform all of our lives uh, in Second Timothy three, where it, it teaches us that Scripture is good for teaching and for reproof and for correction, for training, so that we can be complete and equipped for every good work. And I think that's such an important part for our children to see that, yeah, we're, we, at the best of times, are, are muddling our way through life in a sense. We're, we're all struggling, uh, and, 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 and we stumble and we fall, and we, we don't do things perfectly. Uh, but our children need to see that at least we're trying to find out how we're supposed to live. And the way we do that is not kind of by thinking about what we prefer or what's most pragmatic, what, what's easiest, what, what seems to work the best in terms of providing comfort, but, but we turn to God's Word and we're instructed by God's Word. And, and as we understand God's Word, then, then there is that feeding of the Christian by God through His Word, through His Holy Spirit, and that we can that we can live for his honor and, and glory and you, know, you leave god's word out of it you, you're not, not going to see that you're not you're not going to get that picture and you're not going to be able to set it before your kids and that's a, that would be a, a travesty that's exactly right you know one one thing though that you mentioned earlier in the in the podcast and and i said that i would i would come back to it and that is that uh, where we want family worship to work for us, right? We want to feel like we're in the light. It, it tends to just be a struggle to so many families. And so I think at, at this point, we can go into some of the mechanics of family worship. You can help, you know, pastor us through this, especially those of us who are struggling with our families in this area. Um, you know, can, can, you, can you lead through what the practice of family worship ought to be? Sure, and but before I do that, if I can just give a caution that I think is important uh, to ma- to make at this point, because as Christians, family worship is not the goal, right? Family worship is a means. So your prayer as a as a Christian father struggling with family worship isn't, Lord, make me good at family worship. Uh, we're not looking simply to be satisfied with an internal a- an external action in our homes and. I can give you a story uh, kind of from my past. Uh, I was raised in a, in a pastor's home, and, and uh, uh, my parents were very faithful in teaching us uh, from God's Word, very faithful in, in leading us in family worship. And one of the exercises that we had was scripture memory. That was part of our family worship. And uh, I'm the second of, uh, of, of five children, and uh, my parents... Uh, taught us to memorize this one passage at this particular time, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28, that's the, the passage that the, where Jesus is saying, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, and take my yoke on you, for my burden is light. And, uh, and uh, my brother, was it was his turn to rehearse uh, his memory work. And he was struggling, my older brother was, and, and I thought it was my uh, Christian duty as his younger brother to fulfill Galatians 6, 2, and bear his burden, and I was filling in all the parts where he was he was lacking in his memory work. And his response, uh, of course, right when he was in the middle of the portion of Scripture where it said, I'm gentle and lowly in heart, his, his response to this helpful younger brother was to turn around and hit him right in the middle of family <laughs> worship because, because we, were, we had the external down, but the internal uh, wasn't tracking. And of course, my, my parents took time to, to deal with us on that. But 
you can see how you can have the right outside, and if the inside is missing, the, the fruit that you're hoping for just won't be there. And so, uh, so we're, we're not looking to be good at family worship. Instead, uh, what, when we're setting family worship or we're leading our families in, in, in worship, what we're trying to uh, ask the Lord to do in our lives is to make our worship a sincere expression of our love for Him that we would grow in our love for him and that that love would be a natural overflow in our hearts and that because our hearts are filled with love for Christ and what he has done for us that uh, therefore we want to worship and we want to uh, learn what it means to belong to the body of Christ and and to do that in our home so all all that is a backdrop to your question in terms of how do you go about uh, implementing family worship uh, in in your family and and I don't know if there's a magic bullet, a one size fits all a practice for uh, family worship, but there is there there are some things that that will be in common in, in families, and 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 if we follow those, then then in our own families, although it will look somewhat different, the the principle will will remain uh, the same. So, I would say the first thing we want to do is make sure that in our families, uh, f- uh, worship becomes a daily practice. That worship is something that we do um, regularly, and the way you establish that, I think, is through routine. Now, sometimes in our day and age, routine is seen as a as a bad word. It, it, it's associated with dullness or boredom or something like that. But I think routine can be a great protector of family worship. That if you count on, uh, you know, after breakfast or after dinner, we're going to sit down and we're going to read the Bible together. Or before we put the kids to bed, you know, we're going to gather around and we're going to read the Bible together. That protects the practice of family worship. You count on it and, and it's easier to uh, implement it if you have a regular, uh, a regular time. Then the second thing that I would say, assuming that we have the regular time under control, is that we have to overcome a few obstacles, some things that 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 we tend to do as people uh, has been true in my case and and uh, in 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 previous times and and also I've heard of it in in other uh, men's lives as I've talked with them about family worship and and how to implement it. Uh, some of the obstacles that 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 might hinder us in our family worship is first of all the desire to be uh, truly profound, right? Uh, we we we. We want to be as profound as our favorite preacher or our favorite theologian, and 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 uh, it can hinder us because uh, when we're honest with ourselves and we and we look at uh, who we are and our, our capabilities, well, we're just not going to measure up to that kind of standard. So uh, sometimes we can neglect family worship because uh, an obstacle of being profound, or 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 maybe uh, we 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 don't. Uh, Go engage in the practice of, of family worship because uh, we're too busy, and uh, and so that that means making time for that which is significant and 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 get over yourself a little bit when it comes to imitating your favorite preacher and and just go about the business of of setting God's word before your family. The, the word is the instructor, right? As you go through the practice of reading God's word to your family, you will grow in the whole idea of what it is that you're supposed to talk to, what you're supposed to stress to your children, uh, what you're supposed to say to your family, answering uh, answering the questions that they might have. And and, and so we have to get over those obstacles uh, in, in the sense before we proceed with family worship. But 
having set the time apart and having gathered for worship, there are different ways that you can apply worship. So you could do a topical uh, study of, of uh, parts of uh, maybe uh, character issues or ethical problems or important topics that, that would prepare your children for for Christian living. So, for example, you could speak to your kids about marriage and, and those kinds of things. And you do that from time to time. I wouldn't say you should always do that in your family worship, but it's appropriate to do it from time to time because parenting is really a relationship of discipleship. And so sometimes discipleship requires uh, specific teaching from from God's Word on, on specific topics. And so if you see the sin of disrespect creeping up in your family, you might want to teach your children about the importance of the Fifth Commandment and spend a little bit of time looking at the Fifth Commandment in family worship. Now, there's a caution that comes with that, of course, because you don't want your children to think that family worship is the time where we're going to get another lecture from dad about how failing in this area or, or that area of our lives. And so you can you can avoid that be, by making the lesson uh, a positive thing. You don't even have to address the specific sin if you don't want to. You can simply teach them from God's Word uh, the opposite virtue. So if you're de dealing with uh, disrespect, you don't have to say, now kids, you know, we've really had a hard time with respect in our, in our families and now we need to stop being disrespectful. But you could say, you know, this is what it means to honor mom and dad. This is what it means to honor authority. Uh, and so you do that, of course, in light of uh, an overall picture of a desire to honor the Lord. But so there's, there's, there, there are moments where you can do that kind of topical teaching in, in, your, in your homes around certain, certain topics that you think they need to learn about and, and hear about. And this is just the same for, for pastors uh, when, they're, when they're managing their pulpits, you know, to, to use that phrase. Sure, yeah. uh, you know, you, yeah. even in Reformed churches where most of your preaching is done Lectio Continua, you're going through books of the Bible, it's, it's wholly appropriate and even called for to take seasons, be it a few weeks or even a couple months, to, to go through a particular topical series. Absolutely, yeah, that's right. And uh, you've done that at different, different times in the pulpit at, uh, at Cliffwood as well. And, and I think that's, that's the same kind of approach uh, that you would use in family worship. You, would, you are trying to lead your family in an understanding of God's Word as best you can. And so when you see uh, something that you think needs to be addressed from God's Word, then, then you take time to do that. Uh, so that would be the, the topical uh, approach to family worship. And then if I could move on to the second one, that would be kind of a theological approach to uh, family worship. So you, you teach your children the pattern of the sound words, as, as Paul describes it in, in uh, 2 Timothy 1, 13. You're teaching him the pattern of the sound words of, of Scripture. And, and so you're trying to give your children a foundational understanding of what it means to be a Reformed, biblical uh, Christian. And so uh, there are many resources that are out there that can help you with that. One of the ones that I've really enjoyed using, and we use it uh, still in our family today, after all these, after all these years, is uh, G.I. Williamson's book, The Westminster Shorter Catechism for, for Study Classes. It works very well in, in our family. It's a great way to work through the Westminster Shorter Catechism and to be able to see whether or not your children are tracking. You know, sometimes we make assumptions about where our children's uh, children are at in their theological understanding, and going through a, a theological uh, a season of theological study in your family worship, uh, you're able to see by asking questions and by talking with them about it. 
you're able to see whether or not they get it. And the benefit, of course, of, of that, that structure and that, that resource is that you don't, have to, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? You can read the Shorter Catechism question. Uh, um, uh, G.I. Williamson has put together a great lesson uh, to help you understand uh, what the, uh, the catechism question is teaching. And then and by interacting with your children, you'll, you're able to see whether they understand it, and you'll also be able to watch them grow in their theology and their, their understanding of, of theology. So that's kind of the second uh, suggestion that I would have in terms of what you can do for family worship. Uh, very important as well. But I think the third one should be the most common in our homes, and that's uh, the same thing as you were saying before about what happens in the church, uh, where um, kind of a, a working through the Bible in order uh, or some some biblical instruction would be uh, the most common. And, and, of course, it's a little bit artificial to separate the three because as you're working through Scripture, you will hit certain topics and you will hit theology, of course. Uh, but uh, this would this would be more an understanding of a um, we're reading through this Bible book and we're, we're teaching what each passage teaches about God and and what our duty is towards Him, and uh, so uh, what I've found in my experience as a pastor and from my own personal experience is that that can be intimidating uh, sometimes because we don't always know as much as we would like to know about God's Word, and that really was the long launching point for the motivation for the series uh, that, that, that uh, was begun with a Christian Focus, this fam the family guide, uh, family worship uh, guide to these different books of the Bible. So far, we only have Luke. But uh, what we're trying to do is, is put together some helps for dads specifically, but of course, moms as they lead their children as well, help them to make the study of God's Word easier. We talked in the beginning a little bit about removing obstacles and how that could be done uh, by pastors and churches. Well, it can also be done through resources like like this family worship guide. Uh, and that's the goal, to, to help dads lead their families in the study of God's Word. And, uh, and so if you have the regular routine, the actual practice of family worship isn't rocket science, really. If you don't have any resources, really what you want to do is open God's Word and, and read it to your family. Uh, if, you're, uh, if you're able to add to that with some resources, I'm not saying you add to God's Word, but you, you add to the time of, of study with your family, then you can have these resources that, that help uh, with aid in the discussion and the understanding of what's taught. And, and, and that's the goal in, in the series. And something that has been emphasized on the podcast in the past, and that I'm going to reemphasize now in my own words, is uh, is not only the importance of carving out and setting aside a time, a daily time or times to do this. You know, I know families that do this morning and evening. Not everybody's able to just to swing it. Um, that that was really that really worked well in agrarian societies where everybody's working on the farm together. So all of your schedules are pretty much the same, even from an early age. But um, and I know families like my own that only do this in the evening at this point. And we do it after dinner. And so you carve out that time, you make it, uh, you sanctify the time, literally setting it aside for a particular use. And you treat it with as much, uh, what I, and this is my advice, it's pretty basic. You treat it with as much uh, seriousness as you would with any kind of external obligation. 
right? I mean, oh, if, yeah, if, you, absolutely. if you sign your kid up for soccer and there's practices every Saturday morning at 11, um, you're going to be there at practice without too much exception because you paid a registration fee and the rest of the team is, uh, is counting on you for practice or game or whatever. Uh, I would say how much greater is it a commitment uh, to sit with your family and to open up God's Word and to read it? So treat it with a, at least as much seriousness as you would choir rehearsal or, or soccer practice or you know any other kind of external commitment. And then the, the, the second thing I would say is don't overburden yourself either don't 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 think you need to you need to be john piper at the dinner table or ligan duncan or joey piper at the dinner table no you need to be a father to your children and take them in 10 to 15 minutes maybe 20 if they're older through a passage of god's word and a a, an inscription of praise to god through prayer and singing together as a family yeah zach i remember when i was uh, first starting out in family worship and and uh, dear saint who very influential in my life that taught me the importance. I mean, I had my parents example, but sometimes you need somebody else to, to, to point it out to you as well. And, and I was really excited about this practice of family worship. And I remember, you know, this is uh, an exaggeration, but I remember pulling out my, my 20 page single space footnoted manuscript on the relationship (laughs) between the human and divine natures of Christ. And, and, and I just remember my three-year-old looking at me with these glazed over eyes saying what in the world are you are you trying to do and and uh, so your point's very very good you you want to be age appropriate uh, you want to be serious about it you want to make sure that your children are being led in reverence even in, in family worship family worship isn't time for for fun and games at least not in our home you know it's not doesn't mean we can't laugh during family worship but it's a solemn time and it's a time where we're not uh, we're not finishing off our, our dessert and we're not uh, you know we're not uh, we're not poking our our neighbor in the ribs with our elbows we're we're concentrating on what we're doing and this is a this is a serious thing to gather around the word of god and and uh, you do it in a way that that your your family can manage it you do it in a way that's uh, that's enjoyable for your children um, but uh, you do it as you said i think you take it seriously and and that makes an impression on on the on the little ones in in the family. So that's a very good point. And something I would say to our listeners who are in seminary, either Greenville Seminary students now, or prospective seminary students, or even students at at, at other schools, um, I I had no idea about family worship until I was exposed to Greenville Seminary and and heard about it through the podcast when it was hosted by by Bill Hill and um and you know Dr. McGraw and Dr. Piper speak about family worship frequently with great frequency and here at the seminary it is a part of our ministerial formation for those men who have families to not only learn how to do it and theoretically you know what what is family worship but to actually practice it with our families to grow in grace as a family. And it's really become um, the cornerstone of my personal piety, so much so that when I came under care of the presbytery down here, Calvary Presbytery, they ask they ask you, what what are your, this is one of the three big headings they ask, what are your uh, personal piety practices? And I said, well, um, other than corporate worship, it really begins with corporate worship morning, evening, Sundays, and prayer meeting on Wednesdays. And then, so I went from there to family worship. And I said, this is really where I'm spending the most time in prayer and in the Word. Uh, it, 
on a daily basis is in family worship. And then, and then, and only then did I talk about my, my individual practices of piety where I wake up early in the morning and read the Bible and pray. So family worship has been such a blessing and it's a cornerstone of the ministerial formation of Greenville seminary students. I hope that's the case in other seminaries as it seems like an interest in family worship is gaining steam again. You know, I know it's been a neglected grace for decades, if not centuries now, but I mean, in addition to your book, we have resources from Reformation Heritage Books, right? The the Beaky Family Worship Guide, and uh, Jason Halopoulos has produced some fine literature on family worship, as has on the Baptist end of things, Donald Whitney, and uh, and other folks. So I, I've been encouraged to see that because it's been such a blessing to my family. Yeah, no, I, I, I can echo everything that you just said there. That's, that's all very good, very well said. Thanks, brother. And and now I want to spend some time, our remaining time, actually talking about your book, your contribution sure. to this recent uh, groundswell of, of, of publications regarding family worship. You've already told us a bit about your goals, your motivation for it, helping helping guys uh, or men, heads of households who are overwhelmed or a bit intimidated by the prospect of going through a book in family worship. You wanted to to, to help them um, see how it's done and grant them a resource, much like you've had in G.I. Williamson and other things that we've that we've mentioned. But I also wanted to ask you, um, you know, what what resources are you drawing from? What models for conducting family worship? What kinds of commentaries are you accessing as, uh, I mean, I imagine you're not going to produce 66 of these books all by yourself. So there might be right. even listeners who are pastors or scholars who might want to might want to partner with you. You know, how did you put this project together? Well, uh, the, the project, how it originated was it actually flows from a regular practice that I have as a pastor. And so uh, uh, I preached through the Gospel of Luke over two and a half years. I can't remember when I began it. I finished it in 2016, so it would have been maybe end of 2013 or something like that. And as part of the process of preaching through the, the Gospel, what I, what I do as my general practice is prepare family worship lessons for the congregation for morning and evening, based on the morning and evening sermons. And so uh, as that was happening, I got some feedback about how helpful it had been to pastors by God's grace. And, and so from that came the idea, well, why don't we make this, uh, see if the church would be blessed by having it expanded. So uh, take some of the work that I had done as a pastor in terms of preparation for preaching uh, the commentary study and, and uh, the prayer and the study of the Word, and then uh, put that together in kind of condensed versions of, of the sermons uh, so, that, uh, so that that could be published and, and put out there for, for men to enjoy so, and, and to help them in their family worship. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really a culmination of the preaching ministry that I've been engaged in in, in the last number of years. And so as part of that preaching ministry, certainly you're referring to uh, uh, commentaries, and, and I, I tend to like the, uh, the older dead guys uh, as, as I think about who I refer to in terms of commentary. So uh, Calvin was instrumental in, in, in uh, my commentary study, but, but other men, I used other commentaries as well. And, and so you have, uh, uh, and hopefully in this volume, you have, uh, both the, the experience of 
going through a whole book in terms of a, a sermon series. And, and so there's somebody who's worked through that material for you, not meaning, not meaning to imply at all that you shouldn't work through it yourself, but some of the legwork has been done. And, uh, and so that's, that's the goal to, to, to present, uh, thoughtful, uh, not overly technical, but thoughtful, devotional insight into God's word so that you can set it before your children. And so you can learn from it yourself and, and, uh, and all that for the benefit and growth of, of the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and so that's, that's where the project came from. And, and what are, what are your vision or what is your vision for this project? Are you hoping to produce more volumes yourself? Are you, are you reaching out to colleagues and other men to invite them to, uh, to, to contribute to a series yes. through Christian focus? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's supposed to be a series, not just a Jeff Gleason series. It's supposed to be a series uh, because if it's just a Jeff Gleason series, uh, you know, not only is it never going to get done because it's just too much to, to do, but but you, you gain insights from other, other other men as well. And and so I've reached out to a number of, of different people with some interest. But if, if there are men out there who uh, have uh, have thought lots about family worship and, and, and who are interested in helping the Church of Christ that way, uh, I'd love for them to, to get in touch with me and, and be uh, we are looking to expand this series and, and Old and New Testament, and, and hopefully one day, if, if the Lord blesses it, we'll have uh, 66 of these volumes that, that, uh, that, so that a family can be equipped in, in all the books of Scripture to, to set them before their children and set them before each other. That would be a great blessing. I know one thing I've run into myself is family worship, though it, it shouldn't take as much uh, prep time as you know, drafting a sermon or 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 writing a hymn, it, it does take a little bit of a little bit of preparation to do well. I mean, one one mistake that that I have made in leading family worship is getting to family worship not knowing what hymn or what psalm I want to sing. Um, you know, relating to the lesson, and though I have helps for the lesson, and and the prayer is generally extemporaneous, and that all goes well. When it gets to the song, and my kids see me flipping through, my six-year-old and my four-year-old, in their excitement, start shouting out requests, and then and then and then invariably one of them melts down when I don't pick their song, <laughs> oh, yeah. and now I just think, oh, man, why did I why did I not come into this a bit more prepared? So something that I've done is as I've set the expectation up front with my kids and say, this is what we're going to sing once we do the lesson, and that's been, a, that's been a help, though I can't say I do that perfectly. Well, um, that's, that's the joy of, of, of parenting in the fallen world, right? That your best intentions sometimes come crashing down in unexpected ways well what it what it's taught me what it's taught me is uh and i'm sure you've learned this many times uh with 11 children but what it's taught me is uh one aspect of not provoking your children to wrath is to um is to set expectations for yes. them because they yes. appreciate structure just as much Correct. as adults do and they don't That's handle right. it they don't handle the lack of structure as well as some adults do right. so right that's yeah. all very funny. So walk us through yeah. in our remaining time. Walk us through one of uh, one of your sessions here. Uh, you know what 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 are the components of of the chapters that you've given us? I have the book in front of me, but I you know why why should I just read it? I should invite you to read it since I have you <laughs> on my on the, on the podcast. All right. 
Well, what I do, what I try, I try to do is uh, create a, a, a structure that you can follow that's, that's uniform so that you know each day in terms of doing preparation for family worship, okay, this is what I should expect. And all of it's going to be based around a reading of God's Word. So this volume is on Luke. So you're going to read all of Luke uh, sequentially. And uh, each lesson will be based on a passage of Scripture. So first it'll tell you which passage you're supposed to read, which is uh, key to family worship. But then it'll also give you kind of an introduction where the main purpose of that section of Scripture is, is laid out. So that going into the lesson, you can say to yourself, okay, well, this is, this is what we're going to try to communicate. Uh, today. This is what I want my kids to see. This is what I, this is the lesson that I want them to learn. And then there's a, a section uh, called Bible teaching in each chapter. And then in the Bible teaching chapter, you kind of have a, a digest of some of the uh, relevant uh, portions of that passage that require explanation perhaps, or, or that, uh, that are most curious uh, to people. And then uh, there will be a section where there will be family discussion. Uh, I like to talk about the passage of scripture that I read with my children to make sure they're understanding uh, the passage properly. And so uh, what we have in the family discussion section is uh, just a, 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 a summary or some suggested topics of this of discussion. And I divide them up according to age in this is volume because you talk differently to your three-year-old than you do to your 13-year-old than you do to your 23-year-old if they're still in your home. And, and uh, what you want to do is, is make sure that you're addressing them in an age-appropriate way according to their understanding. And, of course, I'm not in everybody's home, so I don't know where you are. And you might have a very mature little 6-year-old or you might have a very immature 17-year-old, whatever the case is. There's some suggestions for things you can talk about with your young children, with kind of your children that are in the middle ages of uh, of you know, say age seven to 13, and then for your older children. And, and, and as you're thinking through those things that, and the, your discussions with your children progress, they will grow in difficulty and they will grow in, in terms of how you challenge them and what you want, uh, what kind of ex response you're expecting from them and, and those kinds of things. But uh, the family discussion section is supposed to help with that. Then there is a, a section on family singing at the end of each lesson. And uh, my approach in terms of including family singing is to prepare the children for congregational participation. So what I want in terms of uh, teaching my children to sing hymns is uh, I want my little three-year-old, when he's sitting in the service for the first time, to be able to perk up his ears when that hymn is sung so that he can even uh, sing some of the words along, even as a, as a little, little guy. Uh, and so uh, in the volumes, we have 10 songs and uh, 10 hymns and 10 psalms that are recommended. And they, they are simply that. They're recommendations to help grow your family in terms of uh, repertoire of, of songs that they can sing in, in, uh, in corporate worship. Uh, I chose songs from the Trinity Hymnal and also from the Book of Psalms for, for worship, which is put out by Crown and Covenant Publications. And the only reason I chose those is because that's what we use at Cliffwood Presbyterian. And uh, so trying to make some suggestions for people to, uh, to, to lead their family in, in uh, learning songs. Now, I, I, I have, <laughs> of all uh, the parts of family worship, this is one that I, I get most pushback on usually because uh, singing is difficult yeah. uh, for some families. Um, 
but I would say, you know, if, if you're te beginning family worship when you've got little, little ones, your kids don't know if you sing well or, or not. <laughs> and uh, and you just lead them in, a, in making a joyful noise uh, before the Lord. If you can sing really well, that's great. But uh, teach your kids to sing the hymns and the psalms of the church, that they would be able to participate in the, in the worship of God's people. It's a, it's a great blessing to them. And then uh, the last section of each lesson is uh, family prayer. And again, uh, I think these are the family prayer part is, uh, is the least significant part of the lesson. Not, not saying that prayer is not significant. Uh, but I think that uh, most families know things that they need to pray about and can pray for, and this. But, but these form as a as a help, uh, so that you can pray along what you're learning in the lesson. And uh, I've seen that in my own family, where you know, as my children get older, as we work through family worship, as we take turns praying, and in our family, our size, we don't all pray at the meal. We we divide up who prays and and. The, the, the older children, as they pray, they've learned to pray theologically. They pray along the lines of what we've just looked at uh, in the lesson. And that didn't happen uh, just because, uh, you know, they, they figured that out on their own. That was something that was taught to them in terms of setting before them the need of praying back Scripture to the Lord and, and what you learn in Scripture and to ask the Lord to impress it in your hearts and, and those kinds of things. And so these uh, suggestions for family prayer are supposed to serve as a help for that, uh, to help direct our families towards what it means to uh, pray the things that we've just learned. And, and so that's the basic structure of each lesson. It's, they're only two pages each, these lessons, uh, fairly small pages, and uh, they're meant to be user-friendly. They're meant to be uh, for dads who, who want to take some time to prepare but who don't have two hours to prepare for a family worship lesson. It gives the structure. It gives hopefully enough uh, insight into scripture that you can uh, answer some questions that your children might have about the passage that you've read. And then, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to join church and family together. Again, you do that through the singing. And finally, uh, you, you tie it off with prayer to the, to the Lord, uh, acknowledging that any kind of growth and any kind of fruit that you might see in family worship isn't the result of, of the profundity of the lesson or, or our, our diligence but it's the Holy Spirit working in us through, uh, through our feeble efforts. And, and so hopefully the, the book will be used to bless the church Christ, and, and that's the goal for it anyways. Well, I'm intending, uh, once we finish through our, uh, our time in the book of Zechariah, that's where we are now, um, what's on the horizon for us is either a short epistle or one of the Gospels as a family. And uh, if my wife and I decide to jump into a gospel, I'm going to jump into Luke and I'm going to, you know, put, put this book to the test as it were All right, fantastic. <laughs> with my family. <laughs> and uh, of course I will let you know how that goes, but just flipping Great. through it in good Presbyterian fashion, it's not a book of common worship. It's a, it's a rubrical resource. And what I mean by that yep. is, um, you know, you do not present these two page lessons as things to just be read through out loud to to your family, but rather they are to be a help to he or she who is leading in family worship. Uh, I'm say I say she for single mother households, of course, who who is leading through family worship to um, to just provide a, a resource, some kind of um, backup, as it were. But it's not meant to just be read through. No, no, it's not. Uh, it's not. Uh, it's not okay. Here you start reading, and and uh, by the time you're done, you've done your family worship. It's supposed to be 
uh, help, uh, almost like scaffolding in a sense, where uh, sometimes when uh, when we're we're, we're putting, uh, I'm thinking about uh, my my sink. I have to put a sink. Uh, I have an undermount sink in the, in the cupboard, and before I can connect it, because it's falling down, before I can connect it, I have to have some scaffolding underneath so I can provide the the permanent supports that will hold the sink in place. Well, this book is supposed to be kind of like that. It's uh, it's that temporary scaffolding that can be put in place so that uh, dads can grow in the practice of family worship, make it e- make it as easy as possible. I think leading your family in worship is never an easy task. I don't I don't ever want to make it sound like oh, now your problems are going to be over because you have this uh, magic potion. Uh, there there will always be a need for scaffolding, but uh, making it making it as easy as possible so that dads can get into the habit, get into the practice, be faithful in it so that uh, we can see the fruit of it uh, as the Holy Spirit works through the reading and teaching of his word. And, and uh, that's, the, that's the great blessing of uh, family worship. I can speak personally as a dad to see, uh, you know, my children have seasons of struggling just like everybody else's children do, but to see through the repeated study of God's word and through the prayers of mom and dad and uh, the Holy Spirit working in the lives of these children, you do see the fruit of what you do. You have uh, many opportunities to teach your children when you practice family worship faithfully. And, and uh, there, there's a great blessing to see your children understand the wonderful truths of Scripture and the, and the wonders of the gospel and, and to see how they want to apply it. Uh, no, they don't do it perfectly, but as they're growing in that, that's, that's a great blessing as a dad to see. And one of the, one of the catalysts is family worship and faithful family worship and hopefully this book encourages dads to to take it up and and practice it amen amen well i want to i want to commend to our listeners uh, this this resource i want to direct them as well to where they can get it if you go to christianfocus.com that's all conventionally spelled www.christianfocus.com and you put in the search bar um a family worship guide to luke this will pop right up it, uh, without any any delay, it's being sold now for twelve ninety nine on christianfocus dot com. And again, uh, uh, Pastor Gleason goes through the entire book of Luke for you, which is which is really great. So it's not a it's not a huge volume by any means, but it is it is a comprehensive look at the book of Luke, f- specifically for those who are leading their families in family worship. And at Christian Focus, the publishers have provided as samples both the full table of contents, so you can see how how Pastor Jeff has divided up the text, first of all, and they've also provided the second chapter, so the second lesson. So you could even literally test drive this with your family, so to speak, print out that sample chapter, and, and seek to use it as a resource in an instance of family worship to see if, um, if it's helpful to you. I, I think you will find that it will be helpful to you. And like I said, I'm going to be putting the whole book to the test with my family um, in coming months and, and letting you know Pastor Jeff and others know, uh, know how it goes with us. But I commend, I commend this resource to you as our listeners, and I hope that you will at least investigate it further and, and perhaps even buy the book and, um, and use it with your families. Pastor Jeff, do you have any parting words you want to share with our listeners before I let you go? Well, I, I just, uh, to summarize all that we've talked about in a sense of, you know, part of the challenge of a dad is you're, you're shepherding these little souls. And, and yeah, the truth is you're, you're inadequate to do it on your own. And, and uh, your life is full of, 
uh, full of holes and, and, and if anybody's going to see them, it's going to be your children. You're, you're not going to fool them. But what you can do is humbly and with great zeal set before them the word of God. Because you want to do that because you want to teach your children to glorify God and enjoy him. And you're, they're not going to learn that. They're not going to learn that from their friends on the playground. They're not going to learn it by playing Xbox. They're not going to play it. They're not going to learn it by playing sports or, or being engaged in hobbies. There's only one way that they learn that. They learn it through reading God's word and having that word applied to them by the Holy Spirit. You can't do the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not possible for you. But what you can do is you can teach them. You can teach them to to know who God is and to know his promise of salvation in, in Jesus Christ. You do that by opening his word. You do it by opening his word faithfully day in, day out, so your children know. The things that dad says to me about God, he, he means them. They've changed this man. He does, he, he's not a perfect man. Your children know you're not a perfect man, but they can see what's important to you. And, and family worship is, is uh, in my mind, uh, the one half. The other half is to lead your family in corporate worship, but family worship is so significant in, in, in terms of teaching your children. And so I would just encourage dads uh, to do things that sometimes are, seem hard to them at the moment, but that will bear fruit uh, in, in due season. And so, so pick up that Bible, open it up, read it to your family, teach them God's word as best you can, and, uh, and, and show them that you delight yourself in, in the Lord. And, and so I just leave, leave your listeners with that thought, I think. I think that sums up what we've been talking about together this afternoon. That's a good exhortation. Tole lege, take up yeah. and read, <laughs> primarily in right. reference to uh, sola scriptura, to the Word of God alone. Yeah. But uh, also, since this is an author interview, pick up and, and read and use this resource that, that Pastor Gleason has provided to us. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, this has been a pleasure and I think a very profitable interview. Well, thanks for having me. You've been listening to a production of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. For more information about the seminary, please visit www.gpts.edu.